Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. What would you do if you had a lot of money? So much money that you never had to have another care about any basic necessity in your life. So much that you could do whatever you want. What would you do? I've got, I think I have the perfect thing to do with a lot of money. I was thinking about this. You ever play this game? What if I won the lottery? What if I was a billionaire? You ever play that game? I, I have the perfect thing. I was thinking about this the other day. I saw a map of the um, North America. And on this map, it had uh, this travel log and dates throughout the year of everywhere in the United States, it would be 70 degrees for that week. And you could travel every week and be in a location that was 70 degrees every week. Now, I think that's perfect. I would travel everywhere I went, it would be 70 degrees, if I had that much money. I was talking to Ed Blouse, one of the members of our church, um, the other day, and uh, I don't know how this came up, but he said, Dale, you know what I'd do if I had a lot of money? I said, oh, let me tell you, I got, I got something for you. He's, I said, what would you do, Ed? He said, well, I think if I had a lot of money, I'd, uh, I'd buy a, a pilot and a plane. I was like, oh, I, you're talking my language. And he said, because, you know, the biggest drawback for high schoolers and, and people taking short-term mission trips is a lot of times the plane, plane ride. So I would buy a plane and a pilot and fly a short-term mission trip all over the world. Every week, somebody from our church could go on a short-term mission trip. And I thought, oh, Ed. <laughs> which do you think, which dream and use of a lot of money do you think honors God more? The one where I selfishly am at 70-degree weather every day of the year, or the one where our, our church member, if he had a lot of money, he would spend it on a plane to serve the kingdom. See, a generous life, one that honors God, serves the kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about what a generous life looks like. He talks about what life in the kingdom should be about. And he gives this scary one of the scariest stories in the Bible, he gives this warning, uh, which is a, a scary parable. Then he gives instruction, and then he gives what our, our response should be with what the money that we have. We don't even have to have a lot of money to be involved in kingdom living. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 13. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And here Jesus tells us what a generous life is going to look like. This is what a life generous to God is going to look like. This is what kingdom living should look like. This is what, how every Christian can be generous toward God. We're going to uh, read the scripture. I'm going to pray over it so we could maybe have an understanding. Then we'll break it down and how it kind of um, should have us respond in our own life. Here's what the scripture says. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother... To divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter between you? Life does not consist. Oh, he, 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 and then he said to them, Watch out, 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I know what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. That's pretty scary. Then Jesus says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and your body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storehouse or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You go here. Then he says, oh, I'm going to have to check it out. need a little prompter. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire how much more will he clothe you you of little faith and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink do not worry about it for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them but seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well I like that part this is the part I don't like. Little flock, have no fear. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide a purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Can we pray about that for just a minute? Lord, this uh, scripture today, um, I think is going to hit a lot of us right where our heart is. I think a lot of us, Lord, need this reprimand and warning about all kinds of greed, about selfishness, about our stuff, about our actions in your kingdom. So Lord, would you open our mind, our eyes, and our ears to hear what you have to say from your word and how you want us to respond. 
Lord, change us today with this passage of Scripture by the power of your Holy Spirit. Change us to be rich toward you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I think from that passage of Scripture, we can all learn how to be rich toward God. And there are three kingdom principles in this passage where Jesus says we need to change and be rich toward God. The three kingdom principles, this is kind of, kind of neat, this idea of kingdom that Luke talks about and that Matthew talks about and that Mark talks about, that Jesus mentions more than any other topic that he speaks about is the kingdom of God. There are three principles of the kingdom of God where Jesus mentions here, and it is, uh, all starts with T if you're taking notes. Think, or think, I'm going to mention both, trust, and team up. The first is, what are you thinking about? And are you thankful to God? Jesus was talking to a thousand, over a thousand different people. He was giving instructions about the kingdom life. He was talking about um, all these really important matters. And I think every teacher has had this before. You're on one subject and somebody raises their hand and they say something that is totally off topic. It is so frustrating. So here Jesus is talking about really, really important matters. He's talking about whether you're going to get into heaven or not. He's talking about giving up your whole life for the kingdom. And this guy says, hey, uh, teacher, uh, you tell my brother to share. He's not sharing. Don't we kind of do that? What are we thinking about? And Jesus gives this, this warning here. He says, we got to watch out. And he's telling everybody this. Be on your guard. Set up this defense against all kinds of greed. Now, I don't know if the brother had a lot and he wanted to get more because that's one way we are greedy. We have enough and we kind of are worried if we're going to get more. Another way to be greedy is we don't have enough and we start worried about whether we're even going to get enough. Those are two different types of greed. And Jesus says, we got to guard ourselves against both. Whether we can get more or whether we're going to get enough, it can all be this, this uh, sin of coveting, wanting something that we don't have in our possession. And all of a sudden, we start moving from thinking about the kingdom and what Jesus wants to thinking about what I can get and what we can get. If you read through that parable and you listen to that parable, the rich man who had the abundant crop, he says, my, 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 I, 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 I. There's eight I's in the Greek. Selfishness, pride, thinking about ourselves is this really dangerous place to be when we're talking about kingdom living and talking about focused on Jesus. In fact, sin, if you can imagine the S and the capital I in the N, is all about myself. The I takes precedent. Now, there's a lot of things going on wrong with this uh, rich, rich uh, landowner. Uh, one, he, he gets an abundant crop, and he thinks that's his crop and his doing. Talk to any farmer in this area, and they'll tell you they can do everything right and the crops don't grow, and then they can do everything right, and the crops are in abundance, and they just have to blame God for the growth. Well, if God is the one that gives the growth, who does the crops belong to? God. If you have the ability to earn money 
and get a job and you have the ability to think, who gave you the ability to think? Who gave you the ability to earn income? It was God. So who technically does the income belong to? See, when we start wrapping our minds and thinking about what kingdom life really is, everything belongs to God, including our very souls. And we get this, we get this idea in our head sometimes that we own it, it's our time, it's our money, it's our energy, it's mine, mine, mine. And there's a danger here. I think this is one of the scariest, scariest parts of the Bible where the farmer says, I have plenty of grain stored up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He had this idea that for the rest of his days, he was going to have to do nothing. He was going to travel the world and be at 70 degrees every week wherever he goes. He was going to be constantly merry, and he was going to fill his time with eating and drinking because he had no other concerns. But God said to him, you fool. What would God say to us if he was to examine how we used our life and our thinking and our riches? Are we imagining that we have plenty of days and we don't need to prepare for God's kingdom? Are we imagining that we will live forever and yet we have not prepared for judgment? that we have not invested in the kingdom, we have not invested in the life to come? What if God demanded your life tonight? Have you sent any treasure ahead of you? This is scary. Deep down, we all know that we may not even make it through the rest of this sermon. This is no joke, and yet sometimes I joke about it. Out of all the preachers that I know and have been with and meet with every week to pray, I am the only preacher that has killed somebody with my sermon. On the one hand, that's kind of funny. On the other hand, somebody right in that seat died while I preached. We may not make it. Have you invested in the kingdom to come? Are you thinking about being involved in the kingdom? Here's how you think about the kingdom. You need to be thankful. You need to meditate on what God has done for you. How he loved you even though you were in rebellion to him. Even though you were rejecting his rule. Even though you were setting up your own kingdom. You were setting up your own kingdom where you rule and you get to make the decisions for your kingdom, and your rule reigns, not God's. You're in rebellion against that. Every time we do that, and we do that often, every time we do that, our kingdoms of rebellion and oppression are, begin to feel, fill, excuse me, my Kentucky slipped right out of me, begin to fill with worry and fear. Every time we base it on our decisions and our desires and our way of doing things, our kingdoms crumble. But when we meditate on what Christ has done for us and what God did by sending his son to rescue us and how we, 
our sinners in need of rescue. Every time we start meditating on that, we automatically become thankful, and then all of a sudden we start changing our kingdom. We start moving around, and we say, hey, God, what do you want us to do with this? How do you want us to live? How do you want us to give? And all of a sudden, our kingdom is no longer filled with fear and worry and oppression and injustice, but all of a sudden, we start doing the will of God. And that's the kingdom of God. Anywhere his will is done, especially in your own life, if you are allowing God to reign in your own life, you are a part of the kingdom of God. If you are helping somebody else join in to do the will of God, you are promoting and growing the kingdom of God. Isn't that Jesus' prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job as believers is to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. Wherever we go, his will is done. That's what kingdom means in this regard. Wherever God's reign, wherever God's rule, wherever God's will is accomplished. So he tells this crowd, he says, you need to think about these things. He gives them this parable that is so scary, it could happen to us tonight. This very night, your soul might be demanded of you. Are you prepared? Have you been thinking about God's work, and have you been thankful for God's work, and have you responded appropriately? One of the responses Jesus tells us to do is trust him. We think about it and we trust him as a response. He gives commands in this passage. One of the commands, and, and I don't like this command because it's really, it's really frustrating to me, but I think I finally kind of wrapped my head around it. He gives two consider commands. Consider the ravens. Consider how the wildflowers grow. I don't think about birds. I don't think about flowers. But he tells me, he commands me, the command is consider these things. I think I've wrapped my head around this. The birds, they're not going about worrying, what am I going to do for food? What am I going to do now? How am I going to store up for later? And God feeds them. And then he says, Dale, you're, you're more valuable than any bird. And the wildflowers, they, they're not running around like, oh, how are we going to get dressed? What are we going to wear? How are we going to store it for ourselves? And yet God clothes them. And he says, Dale, you're, you're more valuable than, than the grass. God promises to meet our basic needs when we trust him. He doesn't say we're not supposed to put forth the appropriate amount of effort. He doesn't say you can't plan. In fact, the scripture is all, all has all these uh, commands. You know, plan for your future, store up for a rainy day, invest in your kingdom. There's, uh, it's wise, Proverbs says, to grow your wealth. But then there's the command, with whatever you grow in wealth, however you invest in and diversify your funds, you be generous with that income that you've received. Because God brings the growth. God gave you the ability to earn. And it's so wise to do those things. It's wise. We're commanded in Scripture to uh, take care of our family. We're commanded in Scripture to work for a living so that we can have food to eat and to share. We're commanded in Scripture to be generous. 
So Jesus isn't saying stop working. He's not saying don't have the appropriate amount of action or the appropriate amount of response to just being, um, to just being, you know, a good part, a good member of society. But he's saying don't make that the number one goal in life. Don't make getting rich the number one goal. Don't make uh, what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or uh, the bigger house. Don't make that your goal. Make kingdom work your goal. If you trust in God and you are focused, worried about his kingdom, worried about whether he's reigning over you, worried about whether you can help somebody have the reign of God in them, uh, God has called us to this kingdom work where... um, We are ambassadors and representatives for him. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to show and reveal who God is in our life, in our actions, in our way we think, in the way we speak. And if we're really concerned about that, our number one priority is that he rules our um, decisions, our actions, our relationships. If he rules over those things, he says, I'll give you what you need. You need food, you need clothing, I know that. Those are basic necessities. You don't have to worry about that if you make the kingdom work your number one concern. And what's the kingdom work? Where he rules in our life. We have to trust him that he's going to provide. Think about it, think about it, think about it. The birds that are around, does God provide food for them? The answer is, is yes. Think about it. We're going to get ready to have winter. Spring will come back after many, many long days of non-70 degree weather. And then all of a sudden, flowers will start appearing out of the ground and they'll be beautiful. And you'll think, oh, spring is finally here. 70 degree weather has come back. The flowers can grow. Were they worried about growing or did God make them grow? They just grew. If God can provide for the birds and the flowers, won't he provide for you? Trust. Trust that he'll do this. Uncle Oscar was getting ready to go on a plane ride, and it was his first plane ride he'd ever been on, and he was scared to death. He'd never been in the air. He'd only ever been on a car, in a car. He gets in the plane. He travels to his destination. The the family's already there. He gets off the plane. They're like, how was the flight? He goes, well, you know, it really wasn't all that bad But I got to tell you, I never put all my weight down. Thanks for laughing. We can live a life where we never put all of our weight down into the care of God. We can always have in the back of our mind, well, let me do this because I'll be in control of that part and I never give it to God. And when we don't trust in him, the deal doesn't work out. Seek first the kingdom, his rule in your life and in life of others, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the deal. Do you trust God? Are you thinking about him? Are you thankful to him? And finally, there's this teamwork aspect. Very, let me rephrase this. It seems like it happens more often when we read the Bible, that if anything happens, God uses a person to do it. Let me say that again. 
when we read the Bible, it seems like every time something spectacular happens, God uses a person to do it. Let's just run through it. God is going to rescue a group of people out of the world's kingdom and create a kingdom of God where his rule reigns. And so he calls Abraham to have a baby. He's using a person. Coming out of Egypt during the Exodus, they are trapped at the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds. Behind them is Pharaoh and his chariots. They don't know what to do. And God says, Moses, lift up your staff over the Red Sea. And this great wind came and it blew the sea into a part. And there was a wall of water on the right and left and they crossed through. And anybody watching, they would only see Moses holding up his staff. But it was God doing it through Moses. And then he worked through Joshua. And then he worked through the judges, and then he worked through the kings, and then he worked through the prophets, all the way to the New Testament, where he came down and combined himself with humanity so a person by the name of Jesus Christ would continue on doing his will on earth. If we go all the way back to Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to flourish, I want you to multiply, and I want you to rule over all creation." He was going to work through Adam and Eve as his representatives to rule under his reign, God's kingdom. I love how Jesus says, do not worry, little flock. He's gathering all of us in, into his confidence. He's leaning down. He's patting us on the back. He says, you don't have to be afraid. Your father has been pleased give you the kingdom he wants you to partner with him to take his reign wherever you go to seek out how he can rule in your life more and more and to seek out how you can help somebody else come to faith more and more he says i am giving you the kingdom you trust me make that your number one concern I'll give you an example of how you can do this. How you can fight off greed, how you can fight off worry, how you can trust him, how you can partner with him. Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. It's a command. Sell, give, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven, That will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. You want to start trusting him? Obey. You want to get rid of worry and fear? Focus on the kingdom work and obey. You want to partner with him? Obey. Here's how you can start. Here's how you can start. We're doing this. um, we, We do an offering every week. So you can start by uh, being consistent in giving to God's work by giving an offering. I don't care about the amount. God doesn't care about the amount. He wants you to grow in your consistency. As you give, as you put it in the offering, or as you have it drawn out of your bank account automatically, because you can do that online, as you give, every time you give, 
God promises to resupply so you can give more. But if you never give, you never see the resupply and your trust never grows and you end up giving less and less because you stop trusting him more and more. Learn to give consistently. Now, sell your possessions. I got it, I got it. We're doing the sacrificial giving for missionaries this month. Two of our missionaries we support, Dale Mead, and the other one I'm not going to say because our sermon goes out on the internet. And they're in a place, you saw their picture earlier, they're in a place where their life would be in danger if it gets out that they're missionaries. We're giving it to two of our missionaries. I bet you have something in your home that you don't need. I bet you have a duplicate of something in your home that you don't need. I bet you have so much stuff in your home that if you had to move, you would be like, oh, why do we have so much stuff? Take some of that stuff and find a way to get money value for it. Sell it on eBay, sell it on a Facebook marketplace, sell it to a friend, take it to Goodwill and get a tax write-off and use that tax write-off to become cash that you can give to these missionaries, sacrificial giving. You bring it in, you put it in the box in the back of the room. It goes in your bank account and you uh, sign up for text to giving. It's a process. The first time you sign up, it'll ask for a card number and it'll ask whether you want to give in general offering or to the missionaries. You pick the missionaries and that money will go directly to them. They will receive it and they will put it to use. This is how we get to give to the poor. In the New Testament, when the church was just starting, they, would, they didn't know every poor person, but some of their leadership knew different people, and so they would gather what they had, and they would bring it and put it at the apostles' feet, and the apostles would make sure they distributed it correctly to people who really needed it. That's what happens in the church. When we give in our offering, we have a financial committee who makes recommendations to the budget to where this money is distributed to where it needs to go. You can have access to any of these numbers. You can see where all the money goes to if you're interested. And we have really wise people to make sure it goes. Now, some of it goes, of course, to the building. I mean, we do keep the lights on. I know that you all like it's warm in the winter and cold in the summer in this room. That's what some of the offering goes to. Some of the offering goes to salary to staff members. Because I know that you like when uh, Cheryl is training our children and Tony is training our youth and you like having upward basketball where kids, well, all of that takes staffing. And so some of our money goes to that and some of our money goes to missions in our community and all over the world. And it makes a difference. So here's how you can learn to think about God, to join in his kingdom work that he reigns in you, that you can start participating in a generous life, give consistently to church every week or every two weeks how you're going to be consistent. Get, find a percentage of your income that you're going to give to God and then seek ways to grow that percentage to God. And then this week, this is your homework. Find something in your house you don't need. Get rid of it for cash and give it to those missionaries. Give above and beyond. Now, anybody in here have more than one TV? Anybody in here have a cell phone that you got rid of? It's now in a drawer. You don't use it anymore. You know you can turn those in for cash? Anybody have baby toys? You don't have a baby in your house anymore? 
kids' clothes, but you don't have kids in your house anymore? Well, you have extra stuff laying around. This would be a great time to go through so you can give to missionaries. One of the ways that Jesus reminds us that we are a part of his kingdom, that makes us think about him, that it makes us thankful to him, that reminds us to trust in him and allows us to partner with him, to, to team up with him, is communion. He says every time you get together, you ought to participate in communion. And he gives a warning with that too. He says there were some Christians that were taking and participating in communion in an unworthy manner. And they died. It's the same warning he gives about the rich man who was selfish and thinking only of himself. When we participate in communion, it is an action that has spiritual implications. It can strengthen our faith or it can destroy us. When we participate in communion, we are supposed to think about what Jesus has done for us and examine our life in relationship with him. We are supposed to thank God for sending Christ to die for us and because of us. We're supposed to remember that we trust him completely to remove the penalty of our sin. And that enables us to partner with him to team up with him, to go do kingdom work where he reigns over our lives, where he begins to change us so that we are an example for all the other people who've set up their own kingdoms. And they'll look at our lives and they'll think, what is different about your kingdom than my kingdom? I want what you have and we'll be able to tell them about Jesus. Communion reminds us of all those things. Today, after I pray for communion, the guys will pass a tray and while you're waiting for the tray, you can meditate on how God wants you to live and how he is changing you. You can meditate on Christ and how he died on the cross and rose again. And as the tray is passed, you can take the bread and eat it and take the cup and put it back in the tray and pass it on and continue to meditate on Christ. Or you can hold it and take it at your leisure. Either way, to take it appropriately is to think about what God has done, to trust him completely Learn to entrust yourself to him. And then ask him to help you team up with him to do kingdom work. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this, this time where we, uh, we gather and in one spirit we are participating in your body and blood, the sacrifice that you have given us. We're reminded of your sacrifice and it strengthens our faith. Thank you for this memorial. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time. 